Merry Christmas. This week, uh, in case you didn't realize, is the week of Christmas. So next Saturday, which is Christmas Eve, we will be having two services, six, uh, 4.30 and 6. And let me encourage you, if you show up on usual Calvary time, you may be hard-pressed to find a seat. So you might want to get here early for your service. We'd love to have you. And then I encourage you to go ahead and scoot in because we're expecting a full house for both of those services. Uh, next Sunday, there will be an online uh, scripture reading, but there will be no gathering here Sunday morning. So just for you, for you to be aware of that. As we start today, we're continuing on with our Advent series, and we're talking today about the concept of peace. So we've covered love, we've covered hope, I mean, hope and faith and um, joy, and then today we're talking about peace, and peace is a difficult one, because peace is something we wrestle with, but I think part of the reason we struggle with peace is because the culture defines peace differently than we define peace. So let, let me give you a real quick, a cultural definition of the idea of peace. It is an absence of civil disturbance or hostilities or a personality free from internal and external strife. Wouldn't that be amazing? So when people say peace to you, peace on earth, peace, a lot of times what they're actually talking about is we want to live in a world where there will be no more conflict. In other words, if you have kids, they always get along and actually play with the gifts you give them instead of just the boxes, right? That if you have a significant other and a spouse, that they don't argue with you all the time whether or not you're wrong or they're wrong. When you have those relationships, those friendships, the work, there is no such thing as a loss of job. And wouldn't that be an ideal world that we long for that kind of idea? But can I just tell you, that's never going to happen because sin has entered the world. And that's why we need hope and we have faith because one day that will happen. But we can have peace on earth. As Jesus came to give us peace, we can have peace, but we need to understand the appropriate biblical definition of peace. So here's the biblical definition. It comes from the Hebrew word shalom. And here's what it means to be complete or whole. Or to live well. To complete or whole or to live well. So what does it look like to live whole? Did you come in today feeling whole? Or did part of you feel broken? Did you come in here feeling like you're living well? Or did part of you feel ill or sick? Did you come in here feeling a lot of disturbances and angst? Or maybe you're looking forward to Christmas. Maybe you're not looking forward to Christmas. But how did you come in today? And how do we focus on peace in that story? What does it look like for us to live a whole, complete, fulfilled life in a world that's broken? This is the story of peace and the challenge of peace and we're going to overlay that onto a story today that isn't usually talked about with peace. It's the, the story of the angel visiting Mary. Now, you're going to find in this story the word peace is not mentioned. But you're going to see through the back half of this, when we begin to break down the word shalom even more, you're going to see the overlay of how peace is exhibited in the way she lives and the way it's unfolded. So if you have your Luke book, turn with me to Luke chapter 1, or you can turn in your Bible, of course, and we're going to begin reading in verse 26 through 33 as we examine the peace that came to Mary as the angel approached her. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, 
The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a, name, to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. You might want to underline that. I did in mine. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled. You might want to underline that. By the statement. She was deeply troubled by the statement. Wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I've not had a relationship with a man? And the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. See, I'm the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Right from the beginning, we see this angel of the Lord show up and interact with Mary. I don't know about you, but we, we read this story because from the time you were a child, whether you grew up in church, we watched a, a play last night on the story of Charlie Brown Christmas. It was a beautiful, wonderful play starring a couple of our own kids, and it was great. I, I got to watch that, and in this play, the gospel story is presented. How cool is that in a civic theater, right? Now, as we're going through that and thinking about that, many people have grown up hearing the Christmas story and we take Mary's story for granted. You do realize Mary was not expecting the angel to show up, right? So let's just imagine this afternoon you're watching a football game or wrapping a present or, I don't know, sleeping. Who would ever sleep on a Sunday afternoon, right? And you're sitting there and all of a sudden there's this bright light. And there's an angelic being in front of you and calls out your name. And says, greetings, oh high and favored one. You might look around and go, what? I know. Like, who are you talking to? Is you talking to me? How am I favored? And Mary would have been shocked by the interruption of God. Have you ever noticed that sometimes God has to interrupt our life in order to bring us peace? God has to interrupt our patterns, our, our rhythm, our, our understanding in order to get us to a place where we are just uncomfortable so we can rest in Him. When God shows up, there's always a challenge, but as we follow Him, we will find peace. So He says, greetings, O favored one. Mary, you're going to get to give birth to the Son of Man. I mean, no pressure, right? This son is going to grow up and will be a wonderful counselor of the Almighty God. And all those things, like she would have known the prophecy. She would have, but she's sitting there going, why me? Now, in case you didn't realize this, Mary, they married a lot younger back then. So Mary very likely would have been 14 years old, 15, maybe even 13 yeah, middle school girl. 
And that sounds creepy and almost gross to us, but that was the practice. That was when you became a woman in those times. And, and so she was engaged, and here she is, a middle school girl who finds out she's about to be the mother of the Savior of the world. No pressure, right? Because middle school girls are always just like even keel, right? And as we think about that, it, you sit there and he goes, you're highly favored. And, and that sounds awesome until you realize what the favor means. Because the favor of God does not always mean that the road would be easy for Mary. The favor of God doesn't mean you always get what you want. Here's what Mary would get to encounter. Having never known a man, she would become pregnant. <laughs> okay. Being engaged... She gets to tell Joseph that she is pregnant by the will of God alone. Can you imagine how fun that conversation would be? Hey, Joe, we need to talk. Um, yeah, I'm pregnant. Baby's not yours. But don't worry, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that would have been an easy conversation. She will get to travel nine months pregnant by an animal, more likely, to give birth in Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy. Now, this may come as a shock to you. I've never been pregnant, okay? But I've been married to a woman who's been pregnant a couple of times. And I can tell you that when she was nine months pregnant, she didn't want to go over a speed bump. I don't know much about riding on the back of an animal other than I've ridden on the back of a horse. And even on the horse, she feel this little, right? And can you imagine on the back of like a donkey? Like a lot of times we, it's it, mile after mile after mile. Joseph, make it smoother, Right? This is favored. And on the way to the journey, she gets to go to a town where, well, Joe forgot to call ahead. There's no room in the inn. Let's give the guy a break. I mean, they didn't have the websites back then that they did now. and They, they didn't even have the telephone, but he showed up. There was no reservation. There was no place. And I imagine that was a great conversation. You want us to stay where? Oh, you found us an inn. Oh, that's great. I guess it's better than the cold. What, what, what's in the inn? Oh, a bunch of animals. Yeah. Now, once again, never been pregnant, married to a woman who's given birth twice. And I can tell you that when she gave birth, she wanted the environment to be very sterile. In fact, we, we really wanted a private room and all those kind of things. And, and the idea of saying, okay, is this environment sterile for me to give birth, right? Well, there's a bunch of animals that are going to keep you company. I mean, there's a little sheep. How bad could it be, right? There, there's some goats, there's, there's all these other things, and there's, there's this, oh yeah, and then there's the stuff that the animals leave on the ground. But don't worry about that, Mary, it just adds to the court. We're making memories. Oh, favored woman. And sometimes maybe you're surrounded by stuff that you don't want to be surrounded by. And the environment sure doesn't feel sterile and clean and pristine like you want it to be. And you can sit there and go, God, I thought you were to be my peace. Oh, he is. When we learn to sit in his presence, the circumstances of our life don't dictate our peace. He is our peace because he is the prince of peace. So, as this story unfolds, maybe you'll see a pattern here that happens when God interrupts your life in an attempt to draw you into his presence, which will give you the peace. Mary has three responses, and 
verse 29, her first reaction was she was very troubled. Why? Because she knew she was not as holy and pristine as the one who was standing in front of her. And the reality is when we encounter the presence of God on this earth, the first reaction that we usually have is not one of, oh good, the peace of God is about to bestow on me. No, when we encounter the presence of God or when God interrupts our life, usually the reaction is this is uncomfortable because we recognize our own inadequacies, our own insecurities. And even though God may see us as beloved, even though we may be favored in the views of eyes of God, we don't feel that. And so we sit there and go, ah, I'm undone. Can I be honest with you real quick this morning as opposed to when I lie? Can I be a little vulnerable? Can I challenge you? As a pastor, I've learned that one of the biggest obstacles for us encountering the presence of God is working past this insecurity that we have to feel like God actually likes us, much less loves us. Because we know that there's going to be some tension there. And so in order to get through the tension to the other side of the peace, we don't even want to do it. We would rather just stay in the world that we know, living with the insecurities and the inadequacies and the, the lack of comfort in our own life because that we know, and I don't want to have to wrestle with whatever is keeping me from the peace and the presence of God. Mary's first reaction was, oh no, I'm undone. But then her second reaction, once she encountered that, was, okay, I have questions. You see this in verse 34. Um, how can this be? It's an honest question, not a bad question. And maybe you need to ask God some questions. God, how? How can you use me? Do you know my past? God, how can you use me? I, I'm not educated in theology. God, how can you use me? I'm only... Mary was a... 13, 14-year-old young woman, right? A kingdom difference. When our, our youth go away to camp in the summer, one of the challenges they're always given is to view your life as a kingdom, kingdom builder. No matter your age, you can be a kingdom builder. Amen? So if you're the youngest person in this room to the uh, wisest person in this room, you can still be a kingdom builder for the glory of God. So don't use the excuse of how, me, or God, how about all, because God looks down at you and he has a purpose and a plan for you. And part of understanding the peace is, as you're going to see in just a few moments, is accepting that God has a plan for your life. Her third response was she was obedient. We talked about the idea of hope. We've talked about the idea of belief and the disciplining of ourselves into those ideas, the, the discipline of hope, the discipline of belief. And then we talked last week about joy, and the reason joy is a different color is because you really can't discipline yourself to joy. You discipline yourself by building up belief, and as you build up belief, the joy will naturally bubble forth. But peace is another one of the disciplines, which is why we're going back to the purple candle, is going back to the discipline of having peace. So how do we have peace? Well, there are four characteristics of the word shalom. I encourage you to write these down. We'll go through it twice so that you can have a chance to write them down. The first idea of the characteristic of biblical peace is it's a right relationship, one devoid of any conflict. Say, Daniel, you said we couldn't have that. I said you couldn't have that with one another. But you can't have a right relationship with the God of this universe who lovingly created you. And so what you realize is there's a lot of people in this world who are looking for this in the wrong places, 
instead of looking for it to God. The second is the surrender of the body, mind, and soul to God. This is walking in the health of the wholeness that we talked about in the definition. It's walking in the complete life that God wants you to live. So it's surrender of body, mind, and soul. The third one is having confidence that the peace in future conflict will be realized. Even though we have tension, there is peace in the tension. There's peace in the storm because our hope and our belief are going to, hope and our faith are going to measure into a belief that we're going to walk through and therefore this world cannot destroy us. And when we do that, we live a life lived with purpose. God, what's my purpose? You want to have peace? You have to live with purpose. So let's roll through those slides once again because I want you to be able to have a chance to write them down. It's having a right relationship, one devoid of any conflict. You can even outright by the side with God, okay? Because you're going to have conflict with other people because they're full of sin, just like you and I are. But then it's the surrender of the body, the mind, and the soul. This is where we become whole and complete. The third is the confidence that peace in the future conflict will be realized. We are not defined by any moment of our life. We are defined by the fact that God ultimately wins, and when we follow Him, we live for Him, we will find that peace. A life resolved, a life realized, that will result in us living a life with purpose, which will result in peace. So let's take this even further, and let's walk through these steps again while looking at the story of Mary. Peace is found in a right relationship with God. It is a union of unconditional love. It's a genuine acceptance. Mary had to accept that God favored her, that God favors you and me. That even sounds guilty or gross for me to say. It almost sounds like narcissistic. God favors me. But God's favor, as Drew covered two weeks ago, is the belief that you're in a right relationship with God. If you're in a right relationship with God, you are favored. So the Christmas story, Jesus came. The Easter story, Jesus would live his life and die for you and for me. And by his sacrifice, what he would do on the cross as he was buried and raised again and he ascended into heaven, we now have a relationship with him. And because we can have a relationship with him, we are now followers of Jesus. In other words, we are favored. We are blessed. We can have a union with the relationship by surrendering our life to him. As we do this, there is a genuine acceptance that comes that says, child, you are loved. So Daniel, you're supposed to say that you're a pastor. I know. Can I just be very transparent with you this morning? One of my fears is that, that those words don't sink in because you hear it so much. And somebody in this room really needs to let those words soak in. You are loved. You are respected. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. God looks down on you and loves you right where you are. You don't have to earn it. Now, because we have a relationship with God, we will want to be more like him because that's where we'll find the peace and the presence. But child, if you have a relationship with God, you are favored. And accepting that is where peace begins. A present not unwrapped is not a present and if we don't accept the reality that God loves us, then what are we doing? The second way that that affects us is peace is found when we rest in full, God's full acceptance of us. Say, Daniel, is that very similar? Yeah, but we don't do that. We, we somehow try to apply this to our life, 
but then we go on and live a life different. We, we go out and try to do something, but we don't really rest in the presence of God. And so we, we find that we struggle. And the way that this unfolds in our life is the reality that this world is constantly fighting for peace. Do you hear the oxymoron there? We're fighting for peace. So here's the way this unfolds in social media, in work dynamics, in house dynamics, in sibling rivalries, etc., etc. Somebody is bad because they feel like the other person isn't respecting them. You're not respecting me. So this person then feels attacked and goes, well, how dare you talk to me? You, who do you think you are? Do you see what happened? I want to feel accepted. I want to feel loved. And it's your fault that I don't feel that love. So you're in the bad. You need to change so that I feel accepted. All the while, what we're doing is not creating peace. We're creating uncertainty and hostility and angst in the world by lumping all this burden on them to give us the satisfaction that they were never meant to give us. That person, if you're not married yet, let me just give you this in clue. Clue. When you marry that spouse, if you're not enough without that spouse, that spouse ain't going to make you whole. Let me say it in proper English instead of the Texan. That spouse will not make you feel complete like you think he or she may. Why? It's not the purpose of your spouse. A spouse draws you closer to God as you draw closer to each other. Your friendships will not make you feel whole. They'll give you a blimp, a, a sneak peek at rest, a truce. But conflict will happen in your friendships. So Mary had to really buy into this idea, this belief that God has a purpose and a plan for my life. And, and so I'm not going to be defined. Can you imagine the hostility? I mean, guys, she was like a 14-year-old girl. Can you imagine her going around to all the other 14-year-old girls? Guess what, girls? I'm pregnant. But no, Joseph's not the dad. Oh, but what are you talking about? I mean, I'm sure there was no gossip behind her back, right? No whispers, no, oh, hi, Mary. You know what I'm saying? Right? Or do I not understand an old school girl? I don't really, but just kind of get it. Can you get, I need a little affirmation here, okay? This reality of Mary had to rest in the calling of God. And then wrapping around the idea of peace is resting in God's assurance for us. And the full acceptance of us also comes, let me go back to the full acceptance of us first, because this is where the, the body, the mind, and the spirit become whole. What does that really look like? What would it look like if we stopped caring what everybody always thought about us? Because we don't need the validation from other people to feel complete. Now, I'm not saying we don't have empathy or compassion. We need to have those. We, do, we need to be kind. We need to be loving. We need to put ourselves in other people's shoes. I'm talking about trying to build up our self-esteem based on what other people are thinking or are not thinking or that we think they may be thinking or that we think they may be thinking that they may be thinking. You see what I'm saying? Am I in anybody's head right now? What would it look... You know what happens when you live a life like that? So let's, let's turn over our mental aspect to God, what it looks like to rest in God is we're no longer driven by trying to find approval in this world. And so that we, the angst that we feel of how we might feel if this person says this one thing or another, it's, it's, it's not driving us. Do you think that might increase our physical health as our blood pressure goes down if we're not worried about everything? And the struggles, the anxiety begin to dissipate? 
What would it look like? Yeah, we still need to exercise and we need to go out and do things. But can you imagine a world where we don't actually need every single person going around saying, I'm feeling anxious? Depression is real. I, I'm not minimalizing that. There's times that we need pharmaceutical stuff. Stuff. Pharmaceutical medicines. There can be chemical imbalances. But I would dare say that we don't always combat like we think we should. So I don't want you to feel bad if you're struggling with depression. It doesn't mean that you're not a follower of Jesus. But I want you to have the peace that the God of this university, universe cares for you and can help you. Right? So let's use peace as a weapon against anxiety, against fear, against worry, against self-doubt, and see if it doesn't actually increase our physical health as well. And yes, what you eat matters too. Sorry, guys. Um, the third part of that is peace is found in resting in God's full assurance. God wins. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really. I, what it, I, right now, I want you, because here's what we do. We, we go, I, I got this thing in the back of my mind. I can think of a couple things in my own life, right? Maybe it's the minus 30 degree windshield that's maybe coming Thursday night. Some of you are like, I know, join me. The U-Haul comes Wednesday, okay? But the idea of this is coming, right? Or what, what the struggle, what's the struggle in the back of your mind that you're sitting there going, walk through that and realize this cannot defeat me because the victory is already secure. Did you get it? What if she dumps me? What if she does? Rather than just avoiding it, walk through that to see, is God still on his throne? Are you still loved by the King of Kings? Are you still loved by the Lord? What if the, my boss fires me? Will you get another job? Will the church help you? Do you have friends to take? Walk through it to the other side and see the peace of God because the victory is already secure. And guess what? Even if you die, you win. If you have a relationship with Jesus. Because then you don't need hope and faith anymore because they're fulfilled. Peace is knowing the victory is secure, which ultimately comes to, if the victory is secure, what do I have to lose? I'm going to live for God. What would Mary have done if, what would we, I mean, Mary, thanks, uh, Gabriel, but I appreciate it. Can you go find the girl down the street? I don't really want to do it. We laugh at that idea, right? It's a concept we sit and go, well, that's ridiculous. Could Mary have done that? I don't think she would have probably told Gabriel that, but I'm just speculating. I mean, there's, we laugh, but how often do we do that? God, I know this is what you want to do for my life. I don't feel like doing it. Right? And then we go, God, where's your peace? Uh, where are you, God? Where are you? It's because you walked away from God's purpose and your plan for your life. Because peace is not found because you have a 15-minute quiet time, you open up your Bible, and then you leave it there next to your John 3.16 coffee mug and forget about it the rest of the day. Peace is found when you persevere in walking in the presence of God every moment of your life, living out the purpose of being a kingdom builder, a difference maker, and walking and sharing the peace of God with others. The Prince of Peace came to give you peace and to let you share that peace with the world. We're like a giant jigsaw puzzle. Everybody's got to do their part or the puzzle isn't complete. You're a piece of the bigger puzzle. As peace, wordplay, it's fun.
All right? So, how do we practice this? Here's our daily training. I want to give you daily training and then I want us to unfold it. I want you to treat peace as a dwelling. Let God's peace be the roof over your head. So once again, I want you to imagine living a world where you don't just study God's word, you don't come to church, you don't just sing that praise song and then you leave it there going out into the rain and the the storms of this world, but you take the presence of God like a shelter everywhere you go. In other words, imagine a really, really nice roof over your head and like an umbrella going everywhere you're going. So when the world drops stuff on you, it's like, nah, didn't even hit me. Because sometimes that visualization can help because we're saying, this is not going to affect me. And the second aspect of that, this is like daily training 2.0, okay? It's not on the slide, but you might want to write this down too, because I've covered this numerous times, is I want you to realize anytime angst or worry or a struggle or a trouble comes in your mind, psychology says you have five seconds to, to root that out before it takes root in your brain. You worried about something in the middle of the night? You have five seconds to give it to God before it takes root. Can you pull out the root? Yep, a lot harder. So when those temptations come of worry, when those temptations come of anxiety, when the temptations come of I'm mad or not at peace, you got five seconds. In those seconds, I want you just to imagine and visualize that roof over your head. Say, God, right now, I feel like it's about to rain. I need you to protect me from the storm. For you are good and holy and just and kind. You are the Prince of Peace, and I have nothing to fear. I'm made whole in you. I'm made complete in you. You are my shelter, my Savior, my storm. In the storm. This is where we find the peace and the presence of God. At the end of the service, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk to you more about who Jesus is. But church, as we approach this Christmas season, know that the Prince of Peace came to make you whole by resting in Him. And this is where you will find the peace in Him. Merry Christmas. God has come. So God, I thank you for what you're doing here and now. And I ask that you be with us as we are about to enter a time of communion. Would you be glorified your name we pray. Amen. Here's the reality that Jesus uh, at the end knew that they would struggle, right? The disciples would struggle. And think about Peter, who would be having communion. By the way, if you do not have one of these, please raise your hand. I'm going to talk that we have some deacons who are going to pass one of these out. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you're invited to participate. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we'd encourage you to sit this out to honor our faith. But as you take one of these, you can go ahead and rip them off. I want you to think of the story of Peter and hold on to it till I take it together. Peter was with the disciples in the upper room and he's like, God, I'll go anywhere with you. Jesus, I'll go anywhere with you. You are my king, my Lord. God, what do you want me to do? I'm going to do it, right? And he says, Peter, before the end of the night, you're going to deny me three times. You're not going to rest in the peace that you think you are. And so maybe this afternoon, you're going to find yourself in a, really big argument with someone and you're going to be mad at yourself I want you to realize this is why God came for you over here sir when we come to the place where we walk through this I want you to understand what it looks like to really 
let this sit into you. So Jesus gives us this as a reminder, and he says, when you take this, remember, I am the Prince of Peace, but that my body had to be broken for you to experience this. So take this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup, and he said, my blood is about to be poured out for you. I'm going to pour myself out so that you might know peace. I'm going to walk through the hostility of the world for that. So take this in remembrance of me. And then the Bible says that they sang a hymn before they went out and lived out their purpose. Now here's the cool part. Why do we sing a hymn? Because we got to praise. Because praise and worry can't coexist. Because pray and anxiety can't coexist. So when we praise, what we're doing is we're exalting that God is God. In other words, praise puts the roof over our head so we can live for him, protected by him. So we're going to do that today as we sing. I'm going to say a prayer, and then we're going to stand and sing together. God, continue to be with us. Continue to be with us in this moment, in this time. Would you move here and now in our midst? God, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Would you guard us? Would you guide us? Would you protect us? Oh, Spirit, move. Father, I thank you for what you're doing here and now. In your holy and precious name we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen.